Oh, good morning. Welcome to the Aliyah Day. It is wonderful and amazing to see all of you beautiful people, or as we say in French, beautiful, all you people here with me today. <laughs> Welcome. I'm glad you're here. It is the fifth day of the week. Can you believe that it is already the fifth day of the week? We are already into the fifth Aliyah of our wonderful uh, parasha here, Lechacha. We've learned some uh, amazing things, uh, some wonderful insights, things that I pray are helping us. I don't know about you, but I'm still uh, recovering from the bombshell uh, drop that we had yesterday that said that uh, <clears throat> in order to help us defeat, uh, give us the victory, as it were, over the carnal nature, it requires the incarnation of the divine law. If you somehow uh, missed uh, the, uh, the, the Aliyah yesterday, uh, then I want to encourage you to go back and, and listen to it. Now, what you, you felt, if you've missed it yesterday, you felt a tremor. You thought it was a, uh, uh, an earthquake, but in fact, it was just that drop. So you want to go back and, uh, and, and listen to that. It's going to be amazing. So, Baruch Hashem, we are... In the, uh, where are we? The 14th chapter of the book of Breshit, the book of Genesis. We're going to begin reading in uh, verse uh, 21. That's the begins the fifth Aliyah. If you have the Art Scroll Humash, we are going to be on page 65. So again, welcome. If you're brand new to us, please subscribe to our uh, channel. And uh, click the little bell icon so that you can stay up to date uh, on all of the information that we have forthcoming. And uh, click the like button, share those with your, with your friends, invite your friends and uh, you know relatives and neighbors and co-workers to join the channel as well and let them be a part of the learning. And all of you who are watching from across the fruited plain, from Australia to South Africa, to Austria, to Argentina, Argentina. We welcome you. We're glad you're here. All right. So, verso uh, 21. The king of Sodom said to Avram, Give me the people and take the possessions for yourself. So, Avraham, the original Delta Force guy, has just come back from defeating uh, the kings. And he's been met by uh, Melchizedek, the king of Salem which we learned yesterday is Rushalayim, and Melchizedek is Shem. We're going to dive into that a bit more today, Bezrat Hashem. And uh, now Sodom uh, says, uh, give me the people and take the possession for yourself. You know, he's kind of alluding to the fact that, hey, maybe Abraham wants the, uh, he wants the money. He wants the livelihood. He wants all the riches. I just give me the people. Take the money for yourself. So Abraham, Abraham, or Avram, rather, said to the king of Sodom, I lift up my hand to Adonai, God, the most high maker of heaven and earth, if so much as a thread to a shoe strap, or if it should take from anything of yours, so you shall not say, it is I who made Avram rich. Far from me. Only what the young men have eaten and the share of the men who accompanied Aner, Eshkel, Mamre, they will take their portion. 
So in verse, uh, we now transition to chapter 15 and verse 1. After these events, the word of Adonai came to Avram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Avram, I am a shield for you. Your reward is very great. <clears throat> and Avraham said, My Lord Adonai Elohim, what can you give me, seeing that I go childless? And the steward of my house is the, the, the Massene Eliezer. Then Avram said, See to me you have given no offspring, and see my steward inherits me. Suddenly, the word of Adonai came to him, saying, it's a suddenly word. I love it when it says in the scripture, suddenly. Very often we encounter that with Hashem. There is a, a suddenly word of God. There is a suddenly change. There is a suddenly blessing. We're just carrying along, doing what's right because it's right, and then suddenly Hashem provides the answer for us. It happens so many times. It's happened so many times in my life <clears throat> where God has just suddenly given us uh, you know, the blessing. We could say that about the mikvah. Allow me a second to put in a, a shameless plug for our, our uh, fully kosher mikvah. In fact, there's two mikvahs. Did I tell you that? There's a mikvah for women and a mikvah for men. It's coming out so amazing. And uh, Bezrat Hashem, our mikvah, will be fully uh, completed prayerfully by Hanukkah, the Feast of Dedication. And... Uh, if for some reason it can't be completed by Hanukkah for some unknown reason, that it'll be shortly thereafter, but it's getting to that point. But, you know, we've gone many years dreaming about a mikvah, talking about being the very first uh, fully kosher mikvah for a, a Jewish synagogue centered on Yeshua in 2,000 years. There's not one in the world like it. There's nobody has a kosher mikvah like this that believes in Yeshua. You know why? Because nobody uses the mikvah. Nobody follows the Torah like like uh, like Yeshua did, frankly. But now, suddenly, we start the project, and it's been, you know, we started, we made it a declaration with God's help, of course. Uh, last year, last it was last Hoshana Rabbah, in fact, 5779, that we said, this year we want to have a mikvah. And it's, you know, we had to go out and find a house, and we bought a house, and then <clears throat> we had to get with, uh, we had to find a, somebody who was going to build it and all those kind of things. It took, it's taken this long and finally we got everything squared away and then suddenly there it is. Now we have, we have the mikvah is already formed and uh, it's amazing. It's like Adam laying there, just have to have life breathed into him. But anyway, give to the mikvah. That's my shameless plug. Give to the mikvah. There are 3,000 people on this channel. Imagine if everybody just gave $18 to the mikvah. Suddenly the word of Adonai came to him, saying, That one will not inherit you. Only him that shall come forth from within you shall inherit you. And he took him outside and said, Gaze now towards the heavens and count the stars, if you are able to count them. And he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And that is the end of our, our fifth Aliyah. We, started, we pick it up tomorrow. I'm sorry, we read verse 6. Slicha. And it says, and he trusted in Adonai, and he reckoned it to him as righteousness. Now, uh, that verse has been abused because people have said that, you know, all Abraham did is trust God. It had nothing to do with his works. Later, in chapter 26, Hashem tells Isaac that I'm going to bless you, Isaac, because your father believed me 
and he obeyed my entire Torah. He, 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 uh, Hashem offers an and there. The and is he, he believed in me and he obeyed my Torah. Because you know why? There was a, uh, a little known guy who wrote a letter one time. Um, I think his name was Yaakov, commonly known as James. And he once said something that not very many people have heard, or at least they don't pay attention to, and that is faith without works is dead. I mean, it has no value. I've used the illustration many times that um, <clears throat> if you have uh, a cupboard full of vitamins and you say to yourself, I really, really, really very much believe in taking supplements and vitamins and all of that, but you never actually take them, it means it means something, and that is that you don't really believe in it, because if you believed in it, you'd actually take them. And because you haven't, you haven't uh, taken the action, okay, to uh, appropriate those vitamins, in other words, you put them in your hand with a glass of water, and you take them, you can believe in it all day long, but you'll never get the uh, benefits of the supplement, right? That's how faith works. It's real simple. So it says here in the, um, uh, in, in, I just want to share an insight. I'm sorry. I lost my train of thought there for one quick second. From Pituke Hotam. This is a interesting insight. just want to share it off the bat. It says, Hazal teach us, Hazal of the sages. Hazal teach us that the Yetzirah has seven names. This comes from the from the Talmud Sukkah 52a. Now the Yetzirah, Hasatan, cursed be he, and the angel of death are actually one and the same thing. So anyway, it says here, each name represents a different force. It uses the scheme against man as it constantly changes its strategy. The Yetzirah is constantly changing its strategy to try to trip us up. Now, we don't want to be Yetzirah focused. The best way to defeat the Yetzirah is to be Torah focused. This is why we say, and when I, I say it's kind of a tongue-in-cheek little fun thing to say, but it's true that a, a Aliyah day keeps a Yetzirah away. If you start out your day learning with us on the Aliyah day, it, that is a huge defense against the Yetzirah. Why? Well, because you're focused on Hashem. You're focused on, on what Hashem wants in your life. You're actually bringing in Torah light into your conscious. And Hashem is a shield for you. Anyway, here is the names by which the Yetzirah is also known. This is what uh, Pituke Hotam brings down. I just want to share it quickly. Uh, Mikshol, which is a stumbling block. It, it blinds a person's eyes and seals his heart, which causes him to stumble and fall to the depths which cannot rise. So we've got to ask God, please keep our eyes open. May our eyes behold beautiful things in your Torah. Evan, a stone, it hardens a person's heart. We've got to ask Hashem, help us not to have a hard heart, but to be generous and kind and loving. Today, uh, we, we, we read yesterday about the tithe, the tithe tithing, giving. I mentioned about giving to, to, the, um, to the mikvah. Tithing, giving a 10% of your earnings, your everything you have, and, 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 and then giving offerings on top of that, like giving to the mikvah. That is a, uh, the, print, the chief way in which we 
maintain a soft heart. We get rid of a, a heart of stone. Ra, evil. This is the primary name because indeed is the evil inclination. It dwells within the heart of man and constantly entices him to do evil. Uh, this is also interesting. I wanted to share this. Um, this is the last name given here. The final name, I want you to pay attention. The final name for the Yetzirah is Arel, which means uncircumcised. It pushes man to fall deeper and deeper until he sinks to so deeply so as to, to listen to this. He sinks so deeply so as to deny mitzvot and the existence of Hashem, God forbid. The existence of Hashem, God forbid. Now, somebody had a question about, you know, because I say, which is 100% truth, um, and that is that a Jew is a Hebrew, a Hebrew is an Israelite, an Israelite is a Hebrew, an Israelite is a Jew. They're all synonymous terms. And... Uh, the reason I emphasize that so much is because there's a lot of anti-Semitic doctrine out there that's, that people want to say, well, I'm a Hebrew, but I'm not a Jew. And then somebody asked the question, well, wait a minute, what about these Jewish people? Like they live in Tel Aviv or whatever, and they're totally godless. Are you, I mean, what benefit is of, it, of them, right? And the answer is none, right? This is what Yochanan said. Do not think that just because you call your father Avraham, that you'll be saved from the fire. For God can bring children for Avraham from these very stones. So right there, Yochanan is telling people, don't listen, don't, don't trust in your heritage. Why? Because people in the first century were trusting in their heritage alone. I'm going to be saved because of Avraham. Now you say, what shameful people, how crazy, can't believe they said that. We do it all the time. People do it all the time by putting their faith in Messiah and they don't care how they live. They're putting their faith in their heritage, just like some some people do in Israel. That just hit you like a ton of bricks, didn't it? Wait, whoa, wait a minute. I'm doing the same thing. That's right. I'm not saying you are. I'm just saying that a lot of people do that a lot of times. Oh, my faith is in, in JC. I don't have to worry about what I do. That's what the people of Israel did. It's just the only difference is instead of saying JC, they said Abraham. So you have Jewish people today that are totally godless. They're still Jews. They're Jews by birth. They're Jews by heritage. But that doesn't equate necessarily into their Yeshua, into their salvation. In fact, in the uh, Sefer HaMitzvot and Chinuk, it talks about that when those people who are Jews, they were circumcised maybe on the eighth day, but they live a godless life, you know, when they go to Gehenna, that Avraham will be standing there and he will reapply to them the circumcision. Now, what, is, what happens when that happens? Is they become Goyim. All right. So, there's your answer. Doesn't mean they're not Jewish by heritage. They are. And it doesn't mean that you can be somehow a Hebrew but not a Jew. They're all synonymous terms. But I also want to point out and emphasize that one of the names of the Yetzirah as given here is uncircumcised. So there's, a, there's people out there who believe theologically that we don't have to do circumcision anymore. That, you know, that's, that's done away with. That's part of that Old Testament. 
um, I just want to emphasize that that is that that very thought comes from the devil. Why? Because one of his very names is uncircumcised. Think about it. One of the names of Hasatan, cursed be he, is uncircumcised. I want to say that one more time. One of the names of Beelzebub is uncircumcised. So if you happen to find yourself, you wandered onto this, uh, this video, and of course you didn't wander here, Hashem brought you here, but I digress, and you've never heard this before, and maybe you're thinking to yourself, we don't have to be circumcised anymore, that's exactly what Hasatan Kersbihi wants you to think. That's exactly what the enemy of your soul wants you to think. That's exactly what Lucifer wants you to think. Why? Because that's one of his names. And he wants you to be called by his name. And as much as God wants you to be called by his name, Lucifer wants you to be called by his name. And one of those names that he would like for you to be called by is uncircumcised. So we have, um, gosh, there's so much to share. And uh, I know, I know, we, we have uh, lots of content always. Where shall I begin? Aha, let's, let's begin here. Um, why do we Jews do physical acts? Um, why do we do physical acts? If you live a Jewish life for any length of time, you'll find that we, we do everything, everything that we do, even with our prayer, we incorporate physical acts. Uh, like, for instance, when we're praying the Sheminoi Esrei, we bow at certain points during the Sheminoi Esrei. Whenever we say during the, the Kedusha of the Sheminoi Esrei, we say, Kadosh, 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 Holy, 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 Adonai Zevaot, Melakol Ales Kevodo. And when we do, when we say holy, 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 we, we, we stand up on our tippy toes three times. Why? Because when we say holy, 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 we're joining the angels in Shemayim, and so it's like we elevate into their sphere, if you will. Now, there's many things we do like that. Question is why? The pagans or the whatever look at that and they say that's ridiculous. Well, the reason we do that is because of in our Aliyah here, or in our Pasha rather, <clears throat> God tells Avraham to walk a- across the land. He says, Arise, walk about the land through its length and breadth. From these words, the Talmud concludes that the act of walking over the length and breadth of property to which one has rights constitutes a means of acquisition. Baba Basra, 100a. In this way, Abraham gains the rights of acquisition to the land he was promised for his descendants. He walks through the land from one end to the other. Uh, it says, this idea has widespread application. It helps us also understand certain external acts, often qualified as pure formality, both in the historical and legislation legislative domains of Judaism. A lot of uh, non-Jews would, would uh, object to these things and say, why do we have to do that? That's so crazy. You have to do all these, these little symbolic things, and it uh, doesn't even make sense. Um. Yet, we see that this comes from our father Avraham. This is why we do what we do as Jews. Now, um, 
I want to get over back to or move back over to the um, the story of Melchizedek. Um, when it talks about the war, right before Melchizedek, it says that he pursued them as far as Hoba, which is in the north of Damascus, talking about Abraham's uh, pursuit of the kings. So it says here, Rabbi Abahu said, when the righteous see the forsaken who is the prisoner of his own faults, he goes to him. Right? This is the whole, this whole insight has to do with grace and mercy. It says he goes to him. Perhaps he will bring him back to good. He draws the sinner to him and instructs him in what is right. And it says he pursued them as far as Dan. That is, he followed him right to the place of justice to save him from hell. That's what it says right here. I'm reading to you today in this portion anyway from Rabbi Monk's commentary, Kol HaTorah. But he goes still further, sparing no effort day and night. And he, with his servants, deployed against them at night, instruct them. He pursued them as far as Hoba. This means that he went so far as to discipline sinners physically and to uncover for them their Hoba. That is, the word Hoba means fault, which they commit by going to the left instead of taking the right road. See how great is the reward of the one who brings his fellow man back to God? It is so great that the king of justice, Melchizedek, reigning in the heavenly Jerusalem, comes out to meet him. Somebody asked me yesterday, I think it was, that they said, uh, they were quoting from the book of uh, Hebrews, and they were saying, uh, in Hebrews it talks about Melchizedek did not have father or mother, and that, um, you know, there was nobody... um, before him or what have you, and yet you say it's Melchizedek. So, you know, can you explain, or excuse me, it was Shem. So can you explain that to me? And uh, the answer to that is that obviously whoever wrote the book of Hebrews was a Kabbalist. What happens very often in the Torah is that there are allusions. There's a plain meaning, there's a literal meaning, and then very often there are allusions that are given. And then there's a sowed level. So, the plain meaning of Melchizedek is that it is, in fact, Shem. But there is a Kabbalistic, a sowed level, an esoteric idea that Shem is Michael the Archangel. And if you get really deep into uh, Kabbalistic thought, you find out that my, there's kind of a, a, a fuzzy uh, shade, if you will, uh, as to whether or not Michael the Archangel, in this case, is not, in fact, Memtet. Uh, but that's for another time. I want to share one insight before I, I elaborate on what I just said, because this is talking about the fact that um, it says the first designation given by Melchizedek, the king of justice or king of righteousness, and it says in parentheses, who is Shem, the son of Noah, is Salem, an allusion to peace. Later, Abraham will call the name of this place Adonai Yireh. Now we read in many translations that Adonai Yireh means that this is the place where God will, will be seen or that God will see something. It, its literal meaning is this, and I, I highlighted this from Rabbi Monk's commentary. <clears throat> Adonai Yireh literally means God manifest himself there. Let me read that again. The, the, the name 
Yireh, Adonai Yireh literally means Adonai manifests himself there. Okay? Rabbi Isaiah Horowitz points out that if the early name given by Abraham preceded that given by Shem, even though Shem came first, it's because Jerusalem must designate the city where the divine majesty, quote, will manifest itself to the full, end quote, in the Messianic era. Isn't that exactly what happened? Yeshua came and manifests himself to the full. It says further, the letter Yud, the first letter of the Tetragrammaton, that is the divine name Yud Ke Vav Ke, which nobody on the planet knows how to say, and therefore should not. The name Yud, the first letter of the Tetragrammaton, was introduced into the word Shalem to form Yerushalayim in order to stress that Jerusalem means the city of, quote, divine revelation par excellence, end quote. Now, we know that Melchizedek was there in, in Salem, which is to be Yerushalayim, and he was offering up, um, uh, you know, offerings to God and what have you. Going back to uh, Pituke Hotem, I want to read this interesting insight because many people say that God uh, uh, accepting a human offering is so pagan he would never do that, aside from the fact that he did. When Abraham offered up Isaac, according to all the sages, Isaac was literally offered that he died in a flash. So therefore, in fact, it's so literal that when we went to find the, uh, the place where the altar was in order to build the second temple, <clears throat> the Talmud, the Midrash, all the sources tell us that the way we found it is because we found the, Isaac, uh, the, uh, the ashes of Isaac. So God doesn't accept human offerings except when he does. But wait, there's more. Bituke Holtam says, Our sages said that the angel Michael serves as a high priest in heaven. Now, that's an idea. I would simply say that it's in fact Memtet, who is in fact Yeshua, but that's for another time. Anyway, Pituke Hotam says, Our sages say that Angel Michael serves as a high priest in heaven, and... Now, if you're driving, you might want to pull over. It says, and his offerings are the souls of the Jewish people with their mitzvot and good deeds. Manakot 110a in the Talmud. So wait a minute. God doesn't like the offering of the human soul, except when he does, because it says here that according to the Talmud, Manakot 110alpha, it says that it's the offering of the Jewish souls along with their mitzvot and good deeds. That's their libation offerings and their meal offerings. This is what's happening in Shemayim. That's what's happening in Shemayim. Now, Abraham is the first one to offer the tithe. It says here that, be that it is may, the first patriarch showed the way for his children once more here. As been the case so many times, he offered the tithe to the Kohen. If you don't believe in tithing, you're not a child of Abraham. That's just the bottom line. Let me say that again. 
If you do not believe in tithing, if you think tithing is not right or not for today, and uh, or whatever, it, you are not a child of Abraham. Um, I'm not sure what else I could say about that, um, except that it's um, it's true. Um, I wanted to share one more thing here. I'm trying to find the actual source of where this is because something happened with uh, Avraham when he went to see Shem. And I'm not seeing the actual source as it was laid out. I'm, I know I'm just uh, running over it here. Ah, here it is. There is another precedent here. We'll kind of wrap up our, our lesson today. <clears throat> um, we'll wrap up our lesson today with this, uh, this thought. Now, we learn in the Gospels that Yeshua... Um, went to the Jordan to be mikvahed by Yochanan, right? That was not the first time that Yeshua had been mikvahed, and and it was by no means the last time. Uh, so there's a there's a question as to why Yeshua went to be mikvahed by Yochanan, his his cousin, specifically at the Jordan. There had to be a reason for it. Something beyond just going to the mikvah. And the reason is thus. Yochanan himself was a priest. He was not, and after the line of, after the line of Aaron, his father was of the lineage of Aaron. His father was a priest, and so his mother was also from the lineage of Aaron. So he was a pure priest. He was not serving in the priesthood because it was so corrupt. Instead, he was in the, in the wilderness. Yeshua came to him to be mikvahed, because Yeshua was born a king, but he needed to be to receive the priesthood in order to make the offering he would later make. This is why. Okay? This is why he went to Yochanan, why he went to the Jordan. Plus, at, it was always at the riverside of the Jordan where the kings were anointed. Now, you might think to yourself, Rabbi, I've never heard that in my life. That sounds so crazy. You're a very good-looking man, but that is a very crazy insight. We have a precedent for it because the sages bring down that Abram was also a king. And when he went to see Melchizedek, it says here that because Melchizedek's children were not worthy, that when he blessed Abraham, he transferred to him the priesthood. End of our Aliyah today. And by the way, what would happen shortly thereafter? Abraham would offer up his son, Isaac. Exactly why Yeshua went to the Jordan. End of our Aliyah today. Thank you so much for joining me. And uh, I hope that everyone has a blessed, wonderful, fantastic, amazing day. With God's help, we'll be back tomorrow for the sixth and seventh readings and uh, preparing for the wonderful Shabbat. Until then, be blessed, be safe, be in Shalom, and we'll be back together tomorrow. Bezrat Hashem. Shalom and blessings.